Welcome to the Big Brain Chungus Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ryan. Ryan, we were having a conversation before you hit record. So you're saying Joe Rogan was interviewing who? Oh, yeah. We're talking about... uh, We were talking about... um, that uh jfk jr tweet okay the the tweet where he makes yeah. uh not JFK, robert kennedy jr yeah yeah exactly he, yeah as you put it he makes a questionably dog whistle to you know white supremacists where he references 1488 uh in his fucking tweet and you know some could see that as a yeah, dog I whistle can, i mean mm-hmm. i can read it right now in his tweet he talks about the assassination of his father. Uh, he wants. He's asking for Secret Service protection, but he says he's not getting it. Then he says, "Typical turnaround time for a pro forma protection request from presidential candidates is 14 days. After 88 days of no response, and after several follow-ups, Biden yada yada yada, um, our campaign request to Biden administration yada yada." yada. So the key dog whistle is 1488. So he says that the request was is supposed to be answered within 14 days and after 88 days of no response and several follow-ups, which is just a very odd specific number for him mm-hmm. to say. Um, and 1488 is a reference to the 14 words. I think it's something like to protect the future for our race and our white children or something like that. And uh, 88 is supposed to mean HH, which is Hall Hitler. So it was a little bit weird that he said that. It could be a coincidence, but that's the point of it being a dog whistle is so that people can't see it. Well, you have to take it in. I mean, first of all, there's a couple of dog whistles coming out from presidential candidates uh, this election cycle. We'll get to the second one a little bit later. Uh, I think, you know, if 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 this guy had nothing in the past, I was a little bit suspicious okay we would be more um it would be more understanding that this is a one-off thing but if you add this with what he did previously which he i think he was at a dinner party or he was fundraising and he goes and he says uh you know somehow the covid vaccine the covid virus doesn't you know affect jewish people which is absurd you know it seemed to mostly affect white males and uh, for some reason, Jewish. Sorry, he said people of Semitic origin. Yeah. He didn't say Jewish people. He said something even weirder. Then why? <laughs> why is... did they bother vaccinating <laughs> Israel? Like, what is he talking about? Yeah. Like, so, I, but uh, I don't but, fucking understand. But it's you were just... saying, and it's funny that screenshot I sent you shows that Joe Rogan retweeted it. He has really fallen into that right wing pipeline so yes. well. But, um, but, but I want to talk a little bit about he, the circular logic here before we get into a little bit more Joe Rogan, if you will, Anthony. I mean, listen, so this guy is saying that the virus is so fucking deadly. It was biochemically engineered to target whites, okay, by a common plot between the Chinese who did probably the longest lockdown in effect out of any other country. And he said it doesn't affect them. Secondly, you know, it doesn't affect Semitic people, whatever the fuck. Okay, so you have both of those two, and then and then he's saying, "Don't take the fucking vaccine, that's supposed to stop it from happening." So which is it? Is this some kind of biochemical engineered super virus to target you know Gentiles, or is it you know uh, the common flu that the, the the vaccine's worse than the fucking 
uh, condition, I mean, in the virus. So it's just, it's nonsensical logic that doesn't make any sense. But yeah, I mean, the problem with Rogan retweeting this, uh, keep in mind that, you know, we don't know enough about Rogan. He also had Rogan's. him on his show. Had him on his show. He also interviewed um, Barry Weiss in the past. And uh, as he's talking with Barry Weiss, he's a person I think per- everybody can agree kind of sucks. Uh, but as he was talking with Barry Weiss, he said, the problem with Jews is that they only stick together and they don't interact with other people. It's like, what the fuck? What the fuck stereotype is that? I haven't even heard that one uh, before. And then later on, he gets into I more know. trouble. <laughs> What yeah. is that? Yeah, what does that this mean? What do you mean Jews only stick up for themselves, stick with yeah. themselves? What do you mean? I've met plenty of Jews that are totally estranged from their... And interracial marriages and like, yeah. what the fuck is he talking about? It's it's like... He should I mean, know there are many Jewish stand-up comedians. There's exactly. definitely plenty of them. He should, he should, he probably knows some of these Jews. Sarah Silverman. Exactly. And then he, then he follows up by another conversation where he's talking with the good folks from, uh, was it Turning Points? Uh, you know, <laughs> Turning Points, sorry, he's a damn. Uh, Turning Point USA. No, 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 Sagar oh. and that other girl, Crystal, uh, uh, they were having a, a conversation, and he got a little bit of trouble when he said, when, they were, when he said uh, Jews only care about money, which is a common, you know, stereotype. Probably, you know, that's a good candidate for our big why co- uh, topic today. He said that, got him in trouble, that he, you know, Eric Weinstein uh, basically came in the show and said, no, no, on behalf of everybody else, I forgive you, and that wasn't anti-Semitic, and I've defended you. So, you know, he's been in hot water, so him retweeting Kennedy is it's a little bit, you know, suspicious. Well, it's uh, it's kind of like he he's always been super into conspiracy theories, and conspiracy theories ultimately, you know, end up being an anti-Semitic conspiracy theory. Like flat Earth, for example, flat Earth. You keep going down the pipeline of a flat earther. Ultimately, you got to figure out okay, if the Earth is actually flat, who's doing it and why? And you keep going down, and there's like. The reasons for why it's a flat earth, uh, you know, are kind of based in like weirdly white supremacist ideas of like what uh-huh. the, uh, you know, the fucking Mayans couldn't have built these pyramids. What do you mean? They're they're savages. And like there's this weird, you know, thing about how like how could these inferior races build pyramids and civilizations unless the earth was flat? And um, then ultimately the flat earth conspiracy theory all the way down at the bottom is there's a secret cabal of Jews that are keeping the earth flat and hiding it from us so that for some dumb reason. Um, but, uh, you know, Rogan, he's uh, fallen far to the right uh, down this little pipeline. And those right-wingers, there's always a couple of neo-Nazis mm-hmm. and, like, weird far-right people always uh, running around. So it's kind of funny when it's uh, RFK Jr., you know, he's a uh, candidate for the Democratic Party. And some people are saying, oh, you know, how good it is that there's going to be a challenger for Joe Biden and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, another choice. But it's just funny because he's getting all his funding from Republican sources. And the only people promoting RFK Jr. are Republicans. I mean, obviously, his purpose is the biggest spoiler. Him. But he's, he's, he's got no shot, especially with, like, you know, his comments about saying that 
COVID is basically designed by the Jews and uh, it doesn't hurt them as much. And then also this tweet that is not necessarily... We, you'll never have concrete proof that it's a dog whistle for neo-Nazis, but it is pretty strange that he would pick those numbers, 1488. And conservatives, yeah. when they're doing campaigns, do a lot of fucking dog whistles. I mean, Trump yes. does dog whistles all the time. I don't think Trump is actually a neo-Nazi at all, but he definitely winks at them plenty, uh, you know, to oh. try to say, like, oh, I'm on your side. Well, part, part of the reason is that uh, primaries are usually won by, uh, by fringe elements. I mean, sorry, are usually won by catering to fringe elements because the people who tend to be um, excited about primaries are usually like weird single voter candidates who believe in these really weird niche issues and they're more likely to actually go and vote. So candidates try to get these people to vote for them by, uh, you know, uh, giving them dog whistles. And usually uh, candidates pivot to more of a general platform in the general election. Uh, that's, you know, that tends to be the uh, the common wisdom of how these campaigns go. So... Uh, you saw, you can see this with him, and he's like, you know, he's like telling the anti-vaxxers he's their candidate. Now he looks like he's winking at anti-Semites and saying he's their candidate. And uh, he's probably also winking at, you know, people who liked uh, the Kennedy family and all of that. And to, you know, at least win in the primary, which doesn't even make sense because he really doesn't even have a chance in hell of beating Biden. So it, it's a like ridiculous... No. You know, so obviously he's just doing this to increase the public platform. So, you know, now if you look at the Republican Party, the Republican primary, uh, the the person that was supposed to be the front runner was DeSantis. That's at least what our corporate overlords kind of wanted as a bulwark against Trump and as an alternative to Biden. But the DeSantis campaign has been absolutely collapsing. Now, now in primaries against an incumbent Democrat, it tends to be the case that people who run are not trying to actually win the primary. Most people who, I mean, sorry, I'm not trying to win the general. Unlike when Republicans are in office, when Democrats in office, there's usually an understanding that they don't tend to lose their re-election bids. And it ha hasn't happened since, I believe, Jimmy Carter was the last time it happened. So generally speaking, you know, when Democrats are running for re-election, Republicans use it as an opportunity to get a bigger platform, you know, so usually you get shittier candidates uh, trying to uh, get a bigger platform. DeSantis is probably the only person who's not, who actually thinks he has a legitimate uh, chance to win. But I do think DeSantis has a second, uh, he has a second purpose other than just becoming president. His second purpose, I believe, is to create an alternative Republican Party that uh, is different from what the Republican Party really is right now, which is the party of Trump. So he's trying to say that there is another party that can exist absent. Because Trump, if let's face it, guys, Trump is the Republican Party. If that guy goes away... Totally. Yeah, nobody gives a shit about Mitch McConnell. There, yeah, nobody gives a shit about Mitch nobody. McConnell. <clears throat> and plenty of people, uh, especially moderates, uh, especially former Republicans or moderate mm -hmm. Republicans are swearing up and down the line that, yeah, of course, you know, Trump's had his time, but it's mm -hmm. going away. And his approval rating among the Republican Party holds steady at, like, roughly yep. 40% for Trump. And that shit's not going down. 
And ultimately, yeah. Republicans fall in line when it comes for election season. So all the very unhappy Republicans are definitely going to vote for Trump if he actually ends up winning the primary. Yeah. And then the more moderates, maybe independents, they probably won't vote for Trump just because... Trump is so inflammatory because they get everything else. They, every, because they get everything else from the Democrats. Yeah, that they and, need. Well, and Trump just says insane shit. Like right now, I think he's being called back up to uh, go to back to court because he has been, mm-hmm. you know, uh, indicted on for three separate cases, um, and he constantly will bash and attack the judge, which is I don't think a very good idea. Would you ever suggest? Uh, if if you had a client and you told no them, obviously not yeah obviously not yeah you're making good points you don't you don't want to upset the decision maker or the ref right uh, you know and I threaten mean, their family like he sent a photo of uh, of one of the uh, judges families and really that, oh yeah like tweeting out the family tweeting out their house location like That's, he's pretty yeah. uh, he's pretty crazy and uh, lately he's been you know. Since he's just been indicted on uh, for these three separate cases, he's been lashing out at the judges and the prosecutors, saying how you know they're phony, they don't care about justice, they hate Trump for no reason. That's what um, Alex Jones did. I mean, yeah. Well, Trump's a little bit more of a serious person. Uh, yeah. Or he's got a little bit more influence and power. So there's Trump versus DeSantis, and I just don't understand how anyone thought that DeSantis would have had a shot. Because DeSantis is popular because he copies Trump. Why, if Trump and DeSantis are running, why would you ever pick DeSantis? Trump's the main guy. Why are you yeah, going to you know, vote for exactly. some fucking knockoff? You know, exactly. Some Floridian uh, knockoff. It doesn't make sense at all. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I mean, yeah, because there, so there's a big discussion about what got Trump elected, and I think it's always been the position of this podcast, and it's always been the position of us, at least, that the reason Trump won was he was able to run as an anti-establishment candidate at the same time when the most establishment candidate in the history of America was running, which was like the Clintons, okay? Talking about, you know, other than the Kennedys, they're probably the second biggest Democratic family uh, that has, you know, ever been a dynasty that's ever ruled this country. So he had a very effective campaign the first time he ran about saying, challenging the status quo, where he could argue, hey, Clinton can't do anything for you because she's been in power for the last 30 years, and if she hasn't done it then, even though she hasn't, but you know what I mean? Her husband and her, you know, even though, you know, she's been in politics for that long, she hasn't actually achieved anything of note to help working class people. And he told this to people who were affected by one of uh, the Clinton signature achievements, which was NAFTA, which completely destroyed a lot of the union base and the union power in a lot of the Rust Belt. Uh, so a lot of the most key states voted for uh, voted for the, Dem- uh, the, sorry, the Republicans. Uh, now, this time around, DeSantis is not getting that message. He's pretty much saying, okay, I guess, you know, this culture war shit is what got Trump elected. There's a lot of people on 4chan who just want to stick it to the wokes, you know. So he's running this anti-woke ticket, and everyone's telling him who's serious, like, dude, nobody really gives a shit about these issues, okay? This is just things that get people pissed off and, you know, watch TV, but people really, really care about, 
you know, paying for their electric bills, paying for their fucking rent, affording houses, you know, bread and butter issues. And he's not running in any of those. A lot of people are telling him to pivot his campaign to that. But, you know, primaries are won and sold by the, I mean, won and lost by the crazies. So he's also dog whistling and doubling down. Uh, you shared with me that uh, ads he it's ran were, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's really weird because uh, it feels like he's got a bunch of interns and young little right-wing Gen Zers and all the young right-wingers who are super into politics. A lot of them are groipers or these weird 4chan weirdos and they're like alt-right. So he's got all these people. Clearly, he has no fucking clue of yeah. uh, the shit that they're uh, like telling him to make or uh, what what they're telling him to release. But they're releasing all these like soy jack fucking sigma male stuff like videos that you see on TikTok. Yeah, uh, that, like that your parents are not gonna understand. No, definitely not. And uh, yeah. like there was like a sigma male one where it made there was a advertisement that uh, it was made Trump look like he uh, liked LGBTQ people, and then DeSantis comes out, uh, and it's like the Sigma male Chad meme where he's, you know, got Patrick Bateman and uh, the guy from uh, Peaky Blinders and, like, all these Sigma male, alpha males, and DeSantis is smugly smiling and, you know, uh, dancing to the Sigma alpha male music while it's showing his, like, achievements in restricting trans and lgbtq rights and then there was another video that he actually had to delete because it showed desantis uh there was like a bunch of soldiers marching kind of like in a you know goose stepping like they're you know nazis and then Mm -hmm. a giant black sun symbol comes out behind desantis and he's like centered in the black sun and the black sun is also a fucking neo-nazi symbol Mm -hmm. uh so it's just um He's he's got these weird Groiper, Gen Z, young alt right neo Nazi people helping him do his uh, internet campaign, and I guess I don't know maybe they really believe that Trump got into the White House because a bunch of four channers memed him into existence, which is not what happened. Yeah, I, I think that's part that's that's certainly something that happened well, a little bit. Like people were certainly memeing about him a lot, but. I don't think that's why he won or got into the office, is they memed him into existence. Yeah, I think it's that, and I definitely think also that they they want just cheap uh, uh, people to create media for them and to push the campaign on social media, and one way you can do this is by targeting inter-communities and getting them excited about your candidacy. Think about what, what uh, the internet did for Bernie Sanders. He became one of the most successful uh, campaigners and raising money uh, with small donors, and I think they're just hoping the same thing. They're hoping that the internet will take hold of him and they will spread his image absolutely everywhere. But the truth is, nobody's fucking excited about DeSantis. Nobody wants DeSantis. Nobody likes DeSantis. DeSantis has zero chance of winning, even if he won the primary. He has no chance in the general election. Uh, because everything Trump had as an advantage that a lot of moderates voted for, especially, I mean, uh, you know, especially him being an outsider and him being anti-establishment and him being a populist and him being a, a deified businessman from New York who built buildings and who was on TV for many years being in a powerful position, all of that DeSantis does not have. You know, the, 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 main, uh, the Republican governors have two main talking points going into this cycle, one of them being... Uh, they run red states better than blue states, which is objectively 
faults in almost every single fucking category. Uh, uh, I mean, but Texas something... has been having so many fucking problems. So many. Directly from, you know, conservative policy. Mismanagement, like, yeah. <clears throat> like their energy grid. It's just they've been having so many problems with their energy grid, and that's directly because the Republicans in that state did not want to regulate the energy grid. So it keeps yes. fucking failing. Exactly. So you have a bunch of these red states that, you know... Uh, after all the blue states became, after all the fun places in this country became too, uh, co- you know, too expensive to live in, lots of people just decided to go to where the cheapest places were uh, in comparison to the, you know, mega cities they came from. And some red states benefited off that because they had at the time much low cost living, but that's going away. Almost every single major metropolitan area is being bought out and becoming uh, too expensive. So, you know, so, so you look at Florida. I mean, many parts of Florida yeah. have risen in cost so much. Exactly. I know specifically Tampa used to be uh, <clears throat> one of the more affordable cities in the United States. And now it's getting up yeah. there. <clears throat> it's almost as expensive. Uh, I remember average rent or median rent prices was something like maybe $800 a month. And now it's close to uh, 1800 or $2,000 uh, a month. Uh, yeah, which I is mean, gross. Tampa is so crazy expensive. Miami too. Miami's completely unaffordable. Yeah. yeah, and Miami's so expensive. Actually, it's you know like every other major metropolitan area in the fucking country, it's having a population decline. Okay, even if even it's in a red even even though it's in a red state, because economics affects everybody. When too many people want to live in a place, and there's not enough demand to keep up. I mean, there's not enough supply to keep up with the demand. Uh, then what happens is people start increasing uh, rent rates and becomes too expensive, and people just can't live there. So Miami's having a population decline. So, so you know, but it's really funny because if you read the right articles after about all the uh, crypto yeah. bros just moved in, if you read the articles about uh, maybe maybe you know, I mean Miami's a nice place to live, uh, but uh, after all of I mean not my vibe, but you know I know I'm supposed to say that. Uh, but uh, a lot of people... Um, I mean, if you want to do cocaine in a nightclub and then drive a rented exotic car, yeah. Uh, it's and then, it's, it's you know, great. hang out yeah. with uh, influencer uh, Instagram yeah, it's models. It's not my vibe at all. But, but if, you look at, if you look at fucking Miami, and it's like a population decline, if you read articles, which I thought was really funny, because most of it is talking about how just expensive it is to live in Miami now as the reason. No one's pointing to failed... Republican policies, failed red states, you know, uh, none of that. Because it doesn't fit the business community's narrative. Because the reason why the business community likes to uh, beat up Democratic governors and Democratic states, because they're basically saying, they're basically trying to use it as an excuse to say, deregulate your markets, otherwise, you know, otherwise uh, your, your, your states are going to be declining. Truth is, it's just that, you know, the truth is, it's just that with... Um, with, with nobody building any fucking new housing, every place is just getting too expensive in this country. I think we're only adding like 600,000 houses this year. It's not even that much. It's just a dent in the supply. We have been underbuilding housing in this country for fucking for decades. So we just have an undersupply. So what, uh, what are the uh, commerce uh, communities, the uh, bo- bo- chamber of commerce... In Miami, saying the reason for the population decline is what's their number one reason? Is it uh, 
minimum well, wage. I, did, is I didn't too look high. too much into their op- opinion. I just read a lot of articles on it. But from the articles I've read, especially the Wall Street Journal, it basically points just basically being too expensive to live, and housing is too expensive, and design of you know apartments too too, too much uh, regulations on apartments, especially right after that fucking building collapsed because uh, you know what the support uh-huh. beams were made out of styrofoam or something like that, and it killed a bunch of people. You remember the apartment? <laughs> yeah, collapse yeah, that really happened sad. in Miami. Yep, and it was really very sad. obvious that they were not keeping up the upkeep. And they weren't barely even uh, following the regulations. Uh, I mean, it's just funny how, like, you know, what do you think those regulations do? You know, when when (laughs) people say, oh, there are too many regulations, they always kind of put it in a way where they assume it's like, oh, you know, because of some weird uh, respecting of this specific specific cult they'll they some people are thinking that like the regulations on buildings are like oh to protect muslims in america we have to build every building and it costs an extra million dollars to point them towards <laughs> yes. mecca or something Isn't like that because they have, to get, the yes, they have to get an imam that, in to bless yeah them. yeah like yeah that's what like i feel like conservatives think these fucking regulations yeah. are it's like we literally it costs so much to build buildings in, in america because we have to fly out a saudi wahhabist uh, Amon to you know sacrifice a goat and bless every building, and then we have to uh, you know give them several hundreds of thousand dollars in weapons to fight U.S. soldiers in the Middle East or something like that. And, and then and, they have to import union uh, c- contractors from blue states to come in with Joe with your taxpayer dime. They have to immigrate. Yeah. They have to import lazy, uneducated, undocumented union workers from the northeast who are taking all the college slots yeah who are taking all the college (laughs) slots while working as the contractors and meanwhile like the regulations that the conservatives talk about wanting to repeal it's something like oh yeah you uh these these support beams cannot be made out of styrofoam i'm sorry this is uh you know i know you swear that the fucking uh you know stacking and gluing rubik's cubes uh, together actually makes quite the tight seal and is a very strong bond that can withstand several uh, hundred, hundred pounds of pressure. But I'm sorry, you're going to have to use wood or steel or something like that. It's I mean, like, that's like, like the same thing with like the regulations for the airline industries. Where, or, the, um, or the submarine that just went boom a couple of fucking months ago. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, oh, you know, the regulations are... That, yeah. that CEO who's now dead, uh, I mean, if there's karma... If, the, if karma is such a thing, man, he really got it. Um, because that guy who died in the submarine uh, exploding underwater, um, he used carbon fiber, which no submarine uh, builder would ever, uh, you know, that's not a good material to use. And there's regulations against that. And he scoffed at it. He's like, no, I'm an important businessman. I know a lot more than these fucking regulators it's, it's and these fucking nerds. bureaucratic nerds. Yeah. And then there's like pushers. the regulations around uh, airlines where uh, some people don't even realize how ridiculous the efforts are to reduce regulation. Where airline industries, we bailed them out during COVID. They promised they wouldn't fire any pilots and workers. They did it anyways. And now they're trying to, now uh, people are flying airplanes a lot more again. And now they need more pilots. But a bunch of those pilots retired after COVID. So instead of trying to make it easier to become a pilot or investing in education for pilots or, 
you know, raising their pay or anything like that. Their solution is, okay, we're going to reduce the regulation. They're currently fighting for it right now, the Republican Party, to make mm-hmm. it so that only one pilot needs to be in your plane. So if you felt that two pilots in your uh, uh, airplane was too safe, don't worry. Be happy. Because they're Republicans about, they're are on about, it. Yeah, the Republicans are about to make it one pilot. And they also want to reduce the amount of flight hours uh, in half, I think. I think it's normally 1,500, and now they want to reduce it to 900. And they also want to make flight hours in the simulation just as valuable as real-life flight hours, I believe. I'm not a pilot, so I don't know the specifics. Um, And then also, you know, because they're definitely not going to pay pilots more. And then they're also trying to uh, reduce the regulations that pilots can't fly so many hours because... I don't know about you. I want to make sure my pilot's well-rested before he flies my plane. But their idea is that, eh, whatever. Do a 14-hour shift. It's all good. You know, fly for 16 hours straight. You know, how hard could it be? Well, I disagree with you. I prefer that if I have a surgeon operate on me, that it's his first time operating on a live person. And, you know, after a, you know, uh, three shifts in a row where he was operating. The 13th hour of a 14-hour shift. I want him Ex- to be doing the yeah. surgery. Exactly. First live human. It's something extremely critical, too, that I'm really going to need. I think that's, you know, I think that kind of tension makes them just operate better. But, yeah, you have this push to deregulate the air, you know, airlines. Uh, but, I mean, it's just, and building you know, regulations. Uh, that's you know what's right really funny about you mentioning that, though? The original eye for an eye uh, idea came from the idea that if you build a building, I think it was... If an engineer builds a building and the roof collapse, they kill the engineer and his whole family. So that that was like the original idea of uh, eye for an eye. So I'm totally for having a policy put in place that if, if, if you are a CEO of a company that builds buildings and they collapse, that they have to put you inside the building. I mean, what was, the, was it you. Roman? It was like Roman law or... It's uh, like Hammurabi. Like, it's probably like Babylonian or whatever. Or well, there was, I think there was a law in like, uh, in Europe during like the feudal times that, uh, if you're, if you made a bridge and it collapsed, you know, you're, and killed anyone, you, it's as if you are, uh, treated as if you murdered that person or something like that. Oh, wow. Transferred intent. Yeah. yeah. It was something like, uh, you know, if you, uh, yeah, like, I think there was a story where uh, the keystone, you know, the big block that's uh, put on the top of an arch, slipped out and killed, like, the, you know, some royal person's son, and they charged the builder as if he had murdered the son and threw him away in the dungeon. And, uh, I don't know, it might, it, I remember yeah, I'm not for bringing back, generally speaking, medieval laws in terms of bridge construction. I think that's, that's how we go forward. Perfect. The king gets to have sex with your wife on wedding night. Bring Absolutely. It back. Joe Biden's got to have sex with every newly married woman before they go on their own. Prime and Octa. That's, yes. that's, that's what it's about. Exactly. I mean, I mean, you have further uh, Florida news. You have uh, what was it? Uh, AP Psychology can no longer be taught. In so they Florida. just reversed it, actually. Um, okay. So it's flip flop back and forth. I mean, Florida's been having a lot of struggle with the College Board. You know, so, damn these fucking pesky fucking academics. They care so much about like teaching, you know, the truth. They're they care so. I mean, not. They, they want to teach something that's like, well, I don't know, actually educational instead of just pure 
hundred percent face bold face propaganda. So the College Board and the um, Florida's Department of Education have been having a lot of fights because DeSantis has been just destroying the fucking schools in Florida. Like I feel so bad for the kids going to school in Florida because they are gonna have such a tough time when they get out of school because DeSantis is just the Florida schools were already very bad, uh, but DeSantis has just made them even worse. Where they've removed the uh, woke education of saying that slavery is bad, and uh, you know they got to teach both sides uh, fair and balanced, every, both sides of slavery. You know, I think DeSantis, what, what did he say? He said, you know, they always talk about the negatives of slavery, but, like, what about the positives? I mean, you know, these black people learned so many skills. Yeah. And uh, oh, there was also removing mention of uh, segregation. And uh, I remember reading the Florida textbook. They changed it about how uh, the story of Rosa Parks is that uh, she uh, stood up for what she believed in. So she stayed in the front of the bus and kept her seat when asked to move. No mention of segregation or that it was the or law the context or anything. Kind of thing, right? Or it's the context. Just, they just yeah. say that she was a uh, a stubborn black... I mean, that's the idea that I got reading it. It's like, oh, this is a stubborn old black woman, and that's why she won't move. Um, yeah, that's why we all celebrate her, you know? It, yeah, it's just... I mean, it, they basically... And then so, also know, he it, allowed... He's allowing Prager U kids... Uh, to be shown within schools and pray your you kids those videos Pure are propaganda. just insane i mean i remember what they were watching about like they're talking about uh george floyd and when they're referring to george floyd they're like george floyd a man killed while resisting arrest and i'm just blown away like how the fuck are you gonna talk about george floyd and only thing you say about him is a black man killed while resisting arrest uh, yeah, he was certainly resisting having his windpipe closed uh, with uh, that dude's knee on his neck. That I mean, that was pretty crazy. And then also, uh, one of the other parts um, is, I remember there was some kid in one of these cartoons talking to his grandfather, and they were talking about climate change and how, you know, Billy, you gotta resist climate the climate change propaganda. And then he tell, the old man tells a story about how he helped the Jews get weapons during the Warsaw Uprising, and sometimes you got to resist tyrants. And uh, they're basically saying, like, ignoring climate change in school and denying climate change is akin to you being a Polish Warsaw Uprising rebel uh, against the Nazi regime. Like, basically implying, like, if you believe global warming's real, you're basically a Nazi and you want to kill Jews. I mean, that is just the most insane shit ever. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like in a way, uh, uh, in Florida at least, the educational system is kind of going back to its traditional roots of just pure propaganda. It's like, there's no longer, it's about educating people, or it's about... And, and the, uh, the education system in most states is pretty still solidly propaganda. I mean, there's yeah, still plenty yeah. of shit that they teach. Exactly. It's not some wild <laughs> when you actually uh, find out more of what happened uh, like you know, Pearl, the bombing of uh, of Japan. It's just wild when you find out. Oh wait, President Eisenhower himself felt that we said publicly we didn't have to drop the bomb on Japan. Boy, they didn't mention that in my fucking education when they're no. talking about the necessity of we definitely did need to drop a bomb on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. 
Yeah, I think I think it's like what they're more upset about is that uh, is that they're worried that a lot of young people are becoming more uh, left wing or you know social sympathetic, and they're pissed off that the school system is not doing its uh, part in propagandizing and indoctrinating the youth. So it's kind of like let's just make it more overt because it's not really doing its job, and you know it's not going to work. The, it's a lot of people, at least in the millennial generation, I think a lot of their awakening was like people's history of the United States by Howard Zinn. It wasn't some college course they attended all of a sudden uh, that was like, oh my God, you know, now I can see how society re really works. It's that they got exposed to ideas through books later in their lives. So this is just trying to uh, cement conservative talking points earlier on with hope. A lot of this is just to target uh, what is, in a way, the, a very important constituency. It was suburban moms. Um, and by, they're basically telling suburban moms in very affluent places that, look, you know, we'll, t we'll instill these values in your kids and you don't have to worry about it. We will do the dirty fight and we'll get involved and fight the school birds and do all this stuff for you. Uh, and But I don't think it's going to work beyond that. It's just, you know, it's just bullshit. Like, these kids in Florida, I don't even know if all these policies are going to survive past DeSantis. Or whoever's in... I mean, he's going so far that I think even the previous governor is condemning him. Uh, I mean, yeah, Rick Scott... Not for this. I, for the, for, yeah, not for this, obviously. For the... For the Disney thing. Yeah, um, yeah. But, uh, I mean, there was a, a, a recent study that came out, or survey or whatever, that said... Uh, it was kind of funny, because it's really, I guess, important political uh talk to uh talk about this that um so 12th graders 17 18 year old boys are more conservative they're becoming more conservative so what do you think of this that uh 12th grade boys are becoming much more conservative it's definitely yeah, because of andrew tate without a doubt it's because andrew tate is pop you know popping off that's definitely the reason I, I think it's not going to last. I think every, like every, it's the same thing they've been saying about Zoomers when they were younger, is that, oh, this this group is much more conservative. Truth is, kids that young generally don't know too much about politics. I am sure if 17-year-old Anthony was here, or 17-year-old Ryan was here, we would probably be much more conservative than who we are today. Uh, you know, it's kind of like, that is the default way you're brought up, especially if you're brought up, you know with a western education is that you kind Especially of tend if you to want to be an edgy teen yeah. too yeah 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 and, and or if you think you just understand how things work right if you know you're you're like i'm really mature i i want the it's just it's the very normal way kids get i think it's usually until they actually start experiencing more people and they get to college things start uh changing but i'm not surprised that young people who are really young and probably don't know a single fucking thing about politics it's not like they're like, gee, I really care about the tax tax codes in Florida, and I'm anti-regulation. No, there's just it's knee shot reactions, just absorbing what they are passively through society, and you know having a reaction. It's usually in college when men get after a certain age is when they start, um, they, their viewpoints start changing. So I'm not surprised, and I don't think it's going to last. And actually, I would even argue it probably follows most trends, but even without looking at any data right now. I probably believe that most uh, age cohorts, uh, generations at that age, probably leaned a little bit more conservative and later lost it. I remember when the Zoomers were coming up, Bill Maher invited the Zoomer on the Bill Maher show, and he was gushing over him, like, oh, your generation is going to be so much better. You're going to be so much better than the millennials. 
You're at least going to be so much, you know, you're more common sense. You're more blah, 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 you know. And it, look, what happened? At the end of the day, the material conditions... Listen, people generally, before they want to be, turn into sympathy, before they want to turn into being more emotional or, you know, more sympathetic to other people's pain and suffering or any of that stuff, you know, turning right is usually the first reaction in a lot of places. They go right before they go left. You know, it's like you saw in Greece, it was Golden Dawn and Syriza both emerging at the same time. You saw in France, you saw in... Boris Johnson and uh, Corburn arising at the same time. Trump and Bernie Sanders. So you know, so I'm not, I'm not surprised. And yes, I do think Andrew Tate probably had a major influence in the sentiments, but I just don't think they're gonna last. When you're I mean, in high school, yeah. When you're young in your high school, you pretty much don't know the future yet. You're not freaking out about your future. You're not thinking about the cost of healthcare. You're not thinking about these larger issues. I mean, if all the thing you're focused on is you know driving a Bugatti. And, being edgy uh, and being horny and being angry. And pissing off your parents. Yeah. Have sex with you. Exactly. Andrew Tate, you know, he kind of speaks to those anxieties and those insecurities by saying, uh, you know, work out, treat women like shit, and get a guy if you can pay him money. Well, I wish the Florida students the best of luck because I think they're going to turn out fantastic. But have you seen all the fucking... Dude, what's going on with Democrats flipping to Republicans? We had, you know, Kristen Simina and uh, that dude from West Virginia. You uh -huh. know, they're obviously, you know, we, we know they're fucking basically Republicans, if not already. But what's the deal with, like... Uh, there was basically... Um, a Georgia Democrat who flipped Republican um, in a... There are actually uh, Democrats that flipped Republican in heavily Democratic districts. So there was at least four or five that flipped recently. There was Trisha Cotham, who um, basically, the second she was elected, she flipped to Republican almost immediately. And, uh, and, and that was just wild in North Carolina. So she ran in a very blue district that Democrats always win. And then she ran as a Democrat, protect LGBTQ rights, raise the minimum wage. The second she gets elected, she's like, the Democrats are actually very rude and mean. So that's why I changed all of my policies yeah, sure. and morals and my understandings of, you know. <laughs> that's how it everything. works. Yeah, uh, because somebody was mean to me. And then there was, uh, you know, most recently Misha Maynard in uh, Georgia she also ran she was in a very democratic district in atlanta georgia and she just flipped a republican and she's interesting because she's not a new cop uh, candidate she's already uh been in office i think for at least one or two terms uh and then there were a couple others but it's just wild it's like okay the republicans are not gonna be able to win elections anymore so what? They're just going to bribe candidates? They're just going to run candidates that pretend to be Democrats and then flip last second? Like, oh, you didn't see me crossing my fingers behind my back? Like, there must be some way to recall these people or something. That's just And insane. there should be some way. Exactly. You're right. I, it like, is that's absolutely insane, insane if I just, like, run an entire platform. And sure, I get it. Politicians lie and they need to be able to lie and sometimes they can't put all their policies. But I shouldn't be able to just, like, run as, like, you know, a fucking 
full-blooded Democrat and support all the Democrat, uh, you know, policy positions and then completely change my mind once I get elected. That's just insane. That's like bonkers. That doesn't make sense at all. Well, I, I, I think everything, yeah. I, I it's think like I'm a crazy be... person trying to like get in a relationship with you and I'm like, you know, you say you're vegan. I'm like, oh, I'm actually vegan too. And then you say, and then, oh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm Buddhist. And I'm like, yeah, oh, it's basically yeah, fraud. You're defrauding, you're defrauding constituencies by claiming to be something that you're not, you know, I mean, it, in, not, not by the legal system doesn't define it as fraud, but you know, but I mean, just in the, the way we see it as lay people, uh, I would, I would say that, uh, I mean, reasons this happened is probably because they don't see a future in the Democratic Party. And that's one reason uh, in their state or in their constituency and the Republicans have who are probably more in power. They see more of a viable path to, you know, remember politicians, people who are politicians, norm, 99% of them are really ghouls. They're really only doing it because they're, you know, usually either narcissistic or they want to uh, accumulate power and they don't have other means to do so. So they go into politics. And if they can't grow in their own party, they switch parties to a party that's more uh, going to allow them, you know. And sometimes, like, these people, they're, they're flipping really helped the Republican Party. They gave them, I think, super majorities and unblockable majorities in these states. And I think in one state it had a, gov- a Democratic governor who got all of his bills vetoed now because the, that Democrat uh, flipped her seat. Uh, you know, and some of them are moles too, you know, it's, I mean, Republicans don't give a flying fuck. They're going to, they would put a mole in the Democratic Party and have them win the election to have them flip because the, the constituency is more likely to vote Democrat. They're not, they're not above that. There's no, there's no more etiqu- etiquette in, in elections. You can be as nasty, as horrible as you want. Remember back well, in the day, do you think we would really go after Bill Clinton if he had a blowjob in the White House like we did in the past? I mean, I mean, the Republicans would try, but I don't think people the would Republicans care. Republicans would try, but nobody would care. But it's no. just so odd that, like, because you know, party flipping has happened, of course, plenty of times in history. But it's just wild that it's happened so many fucking times, and it almost always it, like eighty percent of the party flipping is for benefits Republicans, the a very substantial majority of party switchers turn Republican. Why is that? Well, that's a good question. I don't think anybody, you know, I think uh, they're more willing to do that. Uh, I think um, a lot of... I actually actually have the specific numbers. So uh, since 1994, a total of 169 legislators switched parties. 80 of them were Democrats joining the GOP. And 23 were Republicans becoming Democrats. So about four times years. as much. Yeah. yeah. Remember, and, well, there, don't forget, in a, lot, in a lot of this country, okay, Republicans and Democrats are pretty much two ends of the same business party. They're not very different. So kind of like, you know, the Democrats like using Republicans, generally speaking, as an excuse not to pass social uh, things that are widely popular or like universal health care. Uh, because business interests business interests are usually fighting against those. So it's if you know Democrats start gaining power, it's easier for th- these politicians who are already in the pockets of big business 
to say, I'm going to join the Republicans and stop this progressive agenda. And that way, it saves the Democrats and makes them look like, oh, it's not our fault. You know, it's these obstructionist Republicans and their mischievous ways that stopping us, you from getting all the good shit you know you're entitled to get. You know, oh, we would have given you universal health care, but not those Republicans. Ah, oh, they stopped us. You know, oh, only if you donated more, if you voted more, this wouldn't have happened. Only if you paid more attention and listened to us when we said this, these candidates you should vote for or not. You, you know, so it, it serves an interest that helps the business interest. You know, they win no matter what. They win when this happens and they win when it doesn't. So it doesn't exactly, you know, stop anything. It's in a lot of cases. I mean, do you think there's an ideological reason why most of the time they go right versus going left? No, I don't think it's... Well, yeah, ideological reason is the business interest, right? Because and let's say you're in a very... You're, you're in a very toss-up state. There's like uh, one person switching allegiance is really going to make a difference, okay? If you're a pissed-off Democrat that's not making a lot of money, okay... What can the Republicans promise you, or what can the business community promise you for hate saying community? I gotta rub that on my uh, mouth. Uh, but, you know, business interests. What what can they offer you? They can offer you a job after you leave it. You know, you're gonna be much more high profile in the state if you switch parties. You're gonna go from a nobody to nobody, uh, a no, you know, area to now a major figure in the state. It's gonna up. It's gonna improve your profile. And, you know, switching to the Republican side generally helps you, you know, now the business, you're going to be endeared to the business interest. They're going to like the fact that you switch to their side and they'll probably reward you even if you lose your election. So it's only beneficial for these people. Switching to the Democratic side doesn't really necessarily help you as a candidate because Democratic side is, I like to call them as like, let's put the brakes on it party. Well, the Republican side is the no party, you know. The Republican's job is to tell you as a kind of citizen that no, you can't have those policies you know you need and would probably help our country because it hurts some guy who's living in, you know, uh, who's some really wealthy person somewhere. So they say no to you. The, you know, Democrats are, we would love to do it, but the Republicans stop us. So it makes more sense if you're looking at this from what's the best for the business interest. It would be for Democrats to basically go Republican. Imagine you're living in a state, and a Republican goes Democrat and gives the Democrats a supermajority. And then the Democrats are like, oh yeah, we're going to pass all those really progressive... No, they're fucking not. <laughs> they're not that, that's not going to benefit them. First of all, their own donors will stop donating to them if that happens. If they actually mm -hmm. start passing these policies. You think Goldman Sachs wants, and Big Pharma wants Democrats to start uh, pushing, you know... Moral regulation and things that hurt hurt their bottom line. Like, that's why they're donating to the Democrats? Fuck no. The reason why they donate to the Democrats is the Democrats can, say no, can, can tell the rest of the Americans, we're going to have to put a break on that until we win even more seats. And also, some of them view them as, uh, you know, we're living in unstable times and the Democrats are viewed as being a stabilizing force. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's like it's like the two people in uh, what was it, Congress or Senate that switched, or at least went independent or or whatever. You know, same thing. What was their entire fucking job in government to do? Was to basically say you're not going to get that thing you really want to get because we're going to stop it from happening, or you're about to get, it, but we're going to say no. 
You know, th this is just the same fucking boring game they used to play. Even when Obama had, I think, 60 senators, had a super, had a clear supermajority, they still played the same fucking game. You know, some people are going to find their inner uh, conservative all of a sudden and start saying, no, we can't do that. It's a sock and puppet show. That's all it is. For the, for, um, for, for the fucking average American to go like, oh, I just got to donate and vote harder for the Democrats. It doesn't mean you shouldn't vote. It just means it's you know you have to take that into account that voting isn't enough. Hmm. Well, I, I'm just glad that it you know my cynical self tells me nothing's gonna happen from it. This uh, I guess now you can just run and flip your entire politics when you win and say oops. I, and there's I absolutely no. It. And there's no repercussions exactly whatsoever. So I guess that's uh, that's all good. I mean, the one that bothers me the most really is the Trisha Cotham in North Carolina. But I guess like the other ones are still pretty shitty. Um, but I don't know if you heard, but in West Africa, there might be a war right now. Yeah, while we're so that's what we need at this very moment. Yeah. So Niger. So in West Africa, there's a bunch of different countries. Niger is one of those countries. And they recently had a coup. And the coup kicked out their democratically elected leader and put in a military junta, you know. So that's, uh, that's basically the military is now running. One of the factions of the military is running the government. Um, now, this stuff that uh, Nigeria, you know that place that a lot of people, a lot of people probably, since we're speaking to a lot of Americans, don't know where Nigeria is. It's in West Africa, and it's actually a really big country. They got something like 240 million people that live in that country. It's very wealthy, so it's actually too. huge. And it's got a lot of money. They got oil. So Nigeria, uh, you know, some people might know about it from the Nigerian prince scam, but that's not all they do. They also drill oil. and uh, no, it's, called, it's called the heart of Africa for a reason, you know. Yeah. So there's, there's Nigeria, and they have this group of friends that they call ECOWAS. And ECOWAS is basically this 11-country 11 11 uh, multinational organization. It's supposed to basically bond West Africa together. The ultimate plan is to be something maybe close or similar to the EU where they have the same currency and the same central bank. Um, you know, part of it is also trying to get away from uh, French rule because France, even though they gave up their official colonies, they still kind of rule many of their former colonies as if they are still colonies. Uh, many of those countries still use, uh, you know, a, a currency that's tied to the uh, franc. Uh, it's still, uh, you know, they're still they have still a lot of ties to the uh, French government. So Niger, Niger basically did a coup. So now they're cooed. And Nigeria and their friends in ECOWAS threatened that if the coup doesn't, the coup leader doesn't step down from its position, they're going to intervene. They actually presented them an ultimatum. So the ultimatum said that by Sunday, if you don't step down, we're going to intervene. We're going to invade your country and rip you out of power. Burkina Faso and Mali, who recently had their own coups and are also led by military juntas, uh... I have backed up Niger and said that if Nigeria and their friends invade, 
Burkina Faso and Mali will back them up and prevent those country Nigeria from invading Niger. So the strange thing that's about this is that right now the Niger, the new leader, he's kicked out the French. He said there's no longer going to work with the French. But strangely enough, there's actually this very large base. And the Americans claim officially that it's not a U.S. military base, but it's one of the largest uh, bases in West Africa for AFRICOM, which is basically it's a, it's a drone base. It helps them operate drones to fight you know, terrorism, Boko Haram, and some of the insurgents in that area. So strangely enough, Amer- while a bunch of countries around the world are all condemning Niger and saying this is a coup, America's strangely silent about this. They haven't said it's officially a coup. And they're still operating that base. And Niger has not kicked out the Americans. They kicked out the French. And the leader of the Niger government, he also has recently hired Wagner troops, so Russian mercenaries. So it's certainly a very strange situation. And it's a little hard to understand what the fuck's going on. But that's my quick summary of it. So what are your thoughts on that, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, a couple of things. Uh, you know, this is still an ongoing situation. The ult- the ultimatum was supposed to have literally ended a couple of hours ago, and the invasion of the country was supposed to begin. Nigeria has not mobilized of as of this recording. So the war may or may not, uh, you know, happen any minute. Um, but it's definitely escalating. The You know, traditionally Africa, especially everything other than the northernmost part of Africa tends to be a European um, area of influence, not an American area of influence. Generally, after World War II, the deal we made with the Europeans, especially the French, is that they can continue to exploit Africa if they can give the rest of the world to us, you know, not counting uh, Vietnam. Uh, And America has kind of reneged on that uh, more recently. That's probably the largest development in uh, international relations that has changed at least in the last 10 years america's increasingly increasing their presence in africa there's a scramble for is i would like to call a second scramble for africa going on where a lot of the resources in africa are being more and more contested by different nations uh the russians have been taking advantage of this too by sending in their mercenaries uh, to go fight in local conflicts in um in and for payment, they would usually get access to their resources and sell it in the open markets to, you know, uh, import dollars to actual uh, uh, Russia where they can use for trade. So this has been kind of like a lifeline for the Russian Federation uh, in a way to protect them. So, you know, the same reason why, you know, you saw, uh, what was it, Francis Hollande invade a country a couple of years ago. And then Libya was mostly a NATO thing. Uh, and now France is mostly controlling West Africa, so, you know, we don't know what's going to happen next, but the tensions are increasing. Uh, I mean, it's very weird, because, uh, I mean, the leaders of ECOWAS, and it's, it's about, it's like 11 different countries, uh, around West Africa, have agreed to the military intervention, um, so I guess, uh, we'll see what happens, because the ultimatum does end today. And, you know, maybe the government of Nigeria will stop them from actually intervening. You know, they've got a Senate. Maybe the Senate will say, hey, don't invade or something like that. But, I mean, it seems like they 
probably would. But the strange thing is, is Nigeria, since it's such a bigger, so much of a bigger country, um, Niger only has something about like 10,000 troops, while Nigeria has about 225,000 troops, Mm -hmm. uh, partially because they've been fighting Boko Haram in some of their states. So, you know, Niger does not have, is a much, much, much smaller country. So who wants to invade a country and occupy them? I mean, that's not a very it's a very destructive thing to do, especially, you know, we can go and talk uh, Nigeria. You know, we could they could still intervene. But uh, as Machiavelli once said, before a conflict, everybody will boast to you that they will attend and fight and be brave and everything. And then only when the conflict arises, does most people just kind of not show up conveniently enough. Uh, so I don't, you know, it's not, it, I mean, listen, it would be interesting, uh, just from a, just from a completely foreign policy nerd perspective, if they did intervene, because it would show that West Africa is more serious and actually, uh, breaking free from imperialism and becoming their own, uh, independent military, independent, you know, area of the world. But, you know, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. And, you know, there was just a giant conflict in Eastern Africa that just ended, which killed more people than any other war since World War II. Uh, and I would hate to see another conflict in Western Africa that's kind of, you know, similar in scale. Well, I suppose we'll have to wait and see what happens. I Obviously, a war would be terrible, but the world's unstable right now, so I think anything could, could happen. We're living in unprecedented times, but I think... Ryan, I think we're getting close to the end of our show today. Was there anything that you wanted to mention before we leave our yeah. audience? Yeah, everybody should go ahead and go out to theaters and watch Oppenheimer. You know, it's got to be Barbie. We got we got to treat it like the conservatives are treating that uh, that uh, Sound of Freedom, whatever show, and just Sound buy of tickets. Freedom. Where that fucking guy just, who created the movie or whatever, uh, who the, was it? One of the funders allegedly uh, is getting uh, convicted for uh, Se- some child, child misconduct. Yeah, yeah, something. But we have to do the same thing and we got to buy Oppenheimer. And, you know, because since the only politics in this country is consumption nowadays, we got to all consume we tickets. We got to watch the good go. We got to just consume as many tickets as possible so we can, you know... Make Oppenheimer beat Barbie and show those capitalist pigs that that we can spend our money by making them rich and sending a message to them. Woohoo! Well, guys, it's been a fun please. one. Follow, like uh, email us at real big. Uh, wait, what is it? Big Braden Chungus at gmail.com. We no longer uh, really care about Twitter, so I know the Twitter is so weird because we have the handle at real big brain, but now Twitter's called X. So, I guess go follow us. Go X at us on X.com. That's X a first site. Do not, X, do not X Big Brain Chungus. I can, I, we cannot be hold liable for what you find. I gosh. What is a Matt? Why is Elon such a fucking idiot? All right. You play us off. But, man, that guy, Elon Musk, man, he is so cringe. He is. Did you hear about his fight with... Um... Mark Zuckerberg that he got his mom involved to call the fight off. I mean, you can't fucking make this up. You have two of the richest people on the planet. 
He's two of the richest weak. people on the planet couldn't uh, uh, wanted to go fight in a ring, but his mother what? stopped him. What PR agency did Mark Zuckerberg hire? Because man, they are really they're doing such a good job. Doing, they're doing such a good job. They're humanizing yeah. Mark Zuckerberg. They're making I know. It's just they're making really really, really bad. Dude, yeah. like unfathomable, an unbelievable task. They humanize Mark.